Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Soccer Brothers Podcast. I'm your host, Sal Qatar, and I'm here with my brother, Nihal. Hey, guys. So before we kick off this series, I'm going to talk a little bit about what this series is going to be covering. Um, we'll cover predominantly U.S. soccer, news, transfer analysis, and rumors. This includes all of our national teams and MLS. Out of all of our national teams, we'll mostly be talking about the senior men's national team, our USMNT. We'll also talk about major soccer around the world, including Europe's top leagues, the Champions League, and international soccer. My brother and I are big supporters of European clubs as well. He supports Everton FC from England, and I support Roma from Italy, or Serie A. So, uh, first we're going to be covering the recent senior men's national team's friendlies. So, what were your first impressions from these Germany and Netherlands games? Um, well, you know, it's two, two really good wins for the U.S. national team, especially after um, a not-so-good run after the World Cup. Um, we had, you know, a lot of the Klinsmann detractors were out in full force. Um, up until this point, you know, we were falling, we were getting early goals in the friendlies, um, but we, you know, at, at the end of the matches, we were giving up a lot more goals and ultimately, you know, lost a lot of matches or drew a lot of matches, um, especially ones that we should have won. So I think it's a good confidence booster for the U.S. team going into the Gold Cup. It also uh, gives some, it gives Klinsman some breathing room, so to speak. Um, you know, uh, people will lay off him for a little while. And two historic wins. You know, we've never beaten the Netherlands. We beat them in Amsterdam, and we've never beaten Germany in Germany. So you know, Klinsman has um, had a habit of getting his teams up and ready to win games in England, or sorry, not in England, in Europe. Um, and you know, we've seen it before in Italy and uh, Slovenia. Um, and now we're seeing it uh, with the Netherlands and Germany. Um, of course, it is a friendly. Uh, it wasn't Germany's full-strength squad, um, but they did have Mesut Ozil, Mario Goetze, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Ilkay Gundogan, uh, Sami Khedira, all these uh, top-level players playing in the midfield. Um, so yeah, it, it was by no means a B-minus or a C team. Their attack was definitely almost in full force, maybe minus Thomas Mueller. And um, Marco Royce, maybe, but he's not even a guaranteed starter. And, of course, their defense wasn't that strong, um, especially with Neuer missing. Um, and the Netherlands was a really a really good win. That was definitely an A team. They're a team that's struggling right now, though. Um, so, uh, but either way, regardless, it's a good win. They, of course, didn't have Iron Robin, um, but they didn't have him for the qualifiers either. So it's important to remember that these teams that were called up are actually teams playing in Euro 2016 qualifiers. So these are, these, I mean, it's not like uh, the, the two coaches for Netherlands Germany just put these teams together. Um, they thought about them and, you know, who, they thought about which players would help them maybe advance to the Euros or farther in qualifying. Yeah. And I don't think it's only the results that we took away from this, but we outplayed Germany. I mean, you look at the second half of that game, we had most of the possession. It, it seemed like we were playing even with the world champions. Yeah, uh, the second half was definitely much better. It was a shaky first 30 minutes, you know, a lot of defensive lapses. Herman just absolutely destroyed us on that right side, our left side. Um, but yeah, you know, uh, we definitely outplayed Germany in the second half. I, uh, I don't know... Um, if we outpossessed them, the, uh, the possession numbers at the end of the game were like 68 to 32 still. Um, but, you know, it definitely looked like uh, we were the better team. And it's what Alexi Lawless always says, possession with purpose, you know. Um, you know against Belgium, we were even in possession, but it didn't seem like we had possession. In this game, it seemed like we were playing with them, and we took the game to Germany. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, it was it was a very 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 good performance in the second half, especially by Michael Bradley, two men of the match performances in a row, um, and Bobby Wood. You know, Bobby Wood gets two winners. Who would have thought that before before these two friendlies? Yeah. So, who on the defensive end do you think stood out particularly? Because we talked about Bobby Wood, we talked about how Bradley contributed to the attack. Um, I think John Brooks, you know, Casey Keller and maybe some other pundits were a little bit hard on Brooks. Um, but aside from the first half from the Netherlands, I thought, I thought John Brooks was pretty solid. Um, you know, he was able to clear his lines regularly. And really, all, all four of the goals that were scored um, by the Netherlands and Germany combined were not really John Brooks's fault. You know, um, uh, Ventura Alvarado was really at fault for three of them including the Germany goal and both of Klaasian Huntelaar's headers uh, for the Netherlands. Uh, Ventura Alvarado was the one covering Klaasian Huntelaar, and Brooks didn't miss two headers that led to those goals, but, uh, I mean, Alvarado just completely lost his markers, or his marker. Um, But, I mean, yeah, clearly, clearly John Brooks. He's only 22 years old. He is prone to mental lapses. Um... But, you know, he's, he's going to be a great player, especially if he continues to grow as he has and continues to get um, a starting time in, in the Bundesliga. I know it's early, but um, the Gold Cup's right around the corner. So who, who do you have playing as that starting back for, for the Gold Cup? Um, yeah, I, you know, I, that's a tough one to answer. Obviously, Jeff Cameron is not there. Yeah. Um, we still don't know where Fabian Johnson's best position is. And, of course, Demarcus Beasley is on that preliminary roster. So... Um, you know, he, he might start at left back, but I think, I, I think Klinsman might want to go forward with the Brooks Alvarado pairing. I think that's a very, very real possibility. Um, but we could also see Beasler in there. Um, I mean, he was fantastic at the world cup. Uh, Omar Gonzalez was very good at the world cup too. You know, Klinsman has said he doesn't like playing two uh, left-footed center backs and two right-footed center backs. So I doubt we'll see Brooks and Beasler, even though I do think those are my or those are our two best center backs, and I do think they complement each other very, very well. Brooks is more athletic, and he's you know he has some deficiencies in the air, but for the most part he can get up there. And Beasler is more of a cerebral cerebral play, player um, and can play out of the back um, very, very well. And Brooks can do that too. Uh, that's actually something else I didn't mention. Brooks played very well out of the back in the two friendlies. So I would like to see Brooks Beasler, even though they're too left footed. I think. We'll either see Brooks and Alvarado or Brooks and Gonzalez. Um, that's who I think. And at left back, um, <laughs> I don't know. It could be Breck Shea. It could be Greg Garza. Uh, they've all shown well. It could be Fabian Johnson. It could even be Timmy Chandler, who played pretty well at left back against uh, Germany. Um, or I mean, it could be Demarcus Beasley. Um, I think I think Breck Shea is going to be the one who ends up slotting there, and I think Timmy Chandler will play on the right. Um, so, so uh, I would say Shea, Brooks, either uh, Alvarado and Gonzalez. I'm leaning towards Gonzalez now. So maybe Brooks and Gonzalez and Chandler. And then play Fabian Johnson in the midfield. And maybe have Beasley there if you do call him up for some leadership uh, in, in the locker room. And then who do you think is a big surprise that Jurgen left off the squad? Um, no, no real surprises for me. Um, you know, Danny Williams is nursing an injury. Jeff Cameron, of course, is, is actually a surprise. But, um, of course, we've learned about his club situation. Um, and, you know, he, either he wanted a break or Stoke City didn't want him to go. 
Um, and then Jermaine Jones, of course, has an injury. So th- th- those are some big losses. But aside from that, no real big surprises. Yeah, a lot of people have been talking about Alan Gordon and his call-up. He's a different type of striker than most of the strikers that we have on the roster. So what do you think he'll provide? Uh, well, I mean, if something were to happen to Josie Altidore, remember, he's coming back from a hamstring injury he suffered with Toronto FC. Um, if something were to happen to Josie, he would be able to bring that physical presence um, and he can win headers. Um, and he's, you know, he's a CONCACAF player. Um, he's a player who can, you know, muscle off, um, you know, some of the Central American and Caribbean defenders um, who like to play that type of soccer. Um, and he can, you know, he can do a lot for us. Um, you know, of course, the last cap he had, I believe, was against Antigua and Barbuda. And he came on and had an assist to Eddie Johnson. So um, a game-winning assist. Um, uh, it was a great pass. And we ended up winning 3-2, to two, which made qualifying a lot easier to get to the hacks. Um, so not only does he bring that physical presence, he's also pretty good with his feet. Um, and if Josie were to go down, you know, um, it's, definitely, it's definitely something... Uh, Jurgen would consider uh, doing, bringing him in. Um, Gordon could also be on the roster, and of course, after the group stage, you can actually switch some of your players. So he could bring Gordon for the group stage, give Josie some rest, give Josie some time with Toronto, and then bring Josie um, for the knockout rounds. So, you know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things he could do uh, with Gordon. I think it's good to have that um, sort of security blanket, um, and also, remember, it's a 35-man roster that doesn't necessarily mean the 35 best players in the pool. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's nice to have that type of player there, especially since, you know, all of the other strikers aren't really like that, as you said. We don't have a Terrence Boy either. He's still recovering from injury. Um, but yeah. So speaking of our striker situation, ideally, who would you have up there? I know you mentioned Bobby and Johnson. You would want to play on uh, the outside midfield, so we wouldn't be playing a diamond. So, do you want one striker up there? Um, I mean, I think we still could play Diamond um, with maybe Bradley at the tip, Beckerman holding, and either Johnson or maybe Yedlin on the right, Johnson on the left, Yedlin on the right. And um, I'd like to see Josie and Johansson play together. Um, and if we were to go with one striker, I think Josie is still our guy. Um, I think he should definitely be the starting striker. Maybe Johnson and, um, once again, Yedlin. I like Yedlin on the wing. Um, up there, um, and then, you know, Bradley, Beckerman, and uh, someone else in the midfield, maybe Alfredo Morales or Mix Discarude. And Zardes can play on the wing, too, so Zardes is another good option on that right wing. So before we stop talking about the men's national team, um, a lot of people wanted uh, young guys such as Julian Green and Gideon Zelalem to be put on the squad, and they weren't. Do you think they should have been put to get some experience, or...? Well, I think uh, it's important for Zellalem and Julian Green to get back to their um, get back to their clubs. Julian Green needs to sort out his club situation. He showed well at the Toulon tournament um, with the U.S. under 23s. Um, they'll both probably be um, with the U23s for for Olympic qualifying, which is actually not that far away. Um, so it might be good to give them some rest. They both just played in tournaments. Um, it's good not to rush Zellalem. Because of, um, you know, it's just good not to rush him. You know, get him back to his club. Arsene Wenger has said Zellalem will be playing first-team football come the fall, um, whether that be at Arsenal or whether that be on a loan. So it might be good for Zellalem to, you know, um, get back to Arsenal, uh, make a name for himself within the squad in preseason, maybe earn Wenger's trust, maybe he can play in the first team. Um, 
come next season, or you know, get a good loan. Julian Green, obviously, coming off a terrible season with Hamburg, um, he can get back to Bayern Munich, maybe get back into the good graces of Pep Guardiola, maybe find another loan to maybe a championship side or a Bundesliga 2 side, maybe more up to his speed, um, and get some goals going. So I think it's, it's good for both of them to be um, figuring out their club situations, just like Bobby Wood was left off the squad for to figure out his club situation, which I know we'll touch on later. Um, but... Yeah, so I, I think I think it's a good decision that they were both weren't there. Of course, it's a shame we can't cap tie Gideon Zalalem, which is why a lot of people wanted him there. But um, by all indications, it looks like he's pretty committed to the U.S. Uh, he grew up here. Uh, he always wanted to play for the U.S. even before Jurgen was there. Um, but so so yeah, I, th- I think it's a good decision to leave both of them off. Speaking of Zalalem, he of course starred in our U twenty quarterfinal World Cup game versus Serbia in the midfield on Saturday night or Sunday morning, depending on where you live. Um, what did you think of that game? Uh, well, of course, we should tell them that the U.S. U-20s went out on penalty kicks. Uh, unfortunately, they lost in the quarterfinals. It was a 0-0 draw through 120 minutes. Um, but, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a great performance by the, uh, by the under-20s. Of course, they were, we had a lot of injuries. We had Bradford Jameson, who had suffered uh, a concussion, in the round of 16 match against Colombia. Maki Tall broke his toe against um, Myanmar in the group stage, the first group stage match, and he scored a goal in that game, actually. Um, Jordan Allen was suspended because of yellow card accumulation. Kellen Acosta was suspended because of red card accumulation. Um, so, you know, there weren't very many options there. Um, so Tommy Thompson got the start. ZLM was actually playing out wide. He wasn't that great out there. Rubin didn't really show up. Um, Heidemann didn't really show up. The defense was fantastic, as they were throughout the tournament. Uh, Miazga and Carter Vickers were great. DeSavio Payne looks to be a future star at right back. Um, Riqueja was all right. And just a round of terrible, terrible penalty kicks for the U.S. Um, Rubin was awful in the penalty kicks. Carter Vickers, Riqueja, and Senora from Boca Juniors all missed. Um, uh, but, you know, Stefan was Zach Stefan, the goalkeeper uh, for Freiburg, uh, was... By far the man of the match. He had a great tournament. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, it was our first quarterfinal in the U-20 tournament since 2007. That team with uh, Michael Bradley, Josie Altidore, and Freddie Adu. Um, so, overall, it was a good tournament. Um, you know, Paul Ariola was another guy who had a really good game um, in that match. Um, but, overall, a good, really good tournament. We beat Myanmar 2-1 in the first game. Absolutely smacked New Zealand 4-0 in the second game. Unfortunately, lost to Ukraine um, in the third match, which... Uh, which uh, allowed us to finish second place in the group, went on to face uh, Colombia, beat them 1-0. Uh, Rubio Rubin scored against the run of play. We probably sh- should have lost that match. Um, and then we played Serbia, you know, and it was a hard-fought match. The players left everything on the field. Um, and, you know, this, this type of tournament is more about identifying talent, maybe getting these guys to play together at a high level. So, um, you know, it's it's... It's hard not to get too um, invested in the results or too invested in this loss, but it was a really good showing for the for the U.S. And there's a lot of a lot of future stars going forward: Zach Steffen, Matt Miazga, Cameron Carter Vickers, who's eligible for the next U20 World Cup. Same with Zell Alam, um, and uh, yeah, same with Zell Alam. Um, there's also uh, Hindeman, um, who looks to be a future national team player, and Ariola. Uh, Rubio Rubin, all these players look like they could be uh, U.S. national team players, except for Marky Delgado. Um, 
yeah, that was actually another defensive midfield. We didn't really have one. Um, Russell Canuse, who plays for, um, I, I believe, Hoffenheim, um, if I'm not mistaken. Um, Hoffenheim, the Hoffenheim youth team, um, he was missing. So, uh, oh no, he, yeah, yeah, Hoffenheim. He was missing. Um, he's a good, great defensive midfielder at that level. Um, so we didn't really have anyone to play that position well. Um, and, you know, Ramos, you know, he could have called up Romain Gall, who was um, the leading scorer in qualifying, but didn't. So we didn't really have many options off the bench. We only had one attacking player off the bench in that match. So all the players retired. Um, but, you know, overall, good performance. Good performance in the World Cup. Nothing to be ashamed of. Yeah, a lot to take away from it. A lot of new players that we saw. But, um... Switching gears to the women's national team, of course, following that 0-0 draw in Sweden, they're playing Nigeria on Tuesday night in the Women's World Cup. What are your thoughts on this game? Uh, well, the U.S. probably needs to win to win the group. They need to win for themselves because they looked awful against Sweden. Um, and they didn't look good against Australia, frankly. Uh, I mean, they've relied on the individual brilliance of Megan Rapinoe, uh, they've just heaved the ball forward to Abby Wambach. They have no pace, no purpose um, about them. Not pace. They just have no purpose about them. Um, and the team is just set up in a terrible, terrible fashion. You know, I think Jill, S Jill Ellis has got it all wrong, to be honest. You know, Carly Lloyd and um, Lauren Holiday are playing in the center there. Neither one of them is a defensive midfielder. You know, they constantly are running into each other. You know, the team plays well when Carly Lloyd imposes herself on the match. And she has not, she's not been able to do that. Christian Press is playing out of position. I don't even know where the hell she's playing. Is she playing striker? Is she playing outside midfielder? You know, there's no continuity within the team. Absolutely none. You know, um, I mean, Morgan Bryan's playing. There's like five different rotations. Morgan Bryan's a good player. Sydney LaRue, I mean, who's playing striker? LaRue, Rodriguez, Blombach, Morgan. Um, are they going to play two strikers? Are they going to play one striker? We don't, we don't even know. Like, we, 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 there's... there's there's, there's so much, so much, um, everything is up in the air. Uh, that being said, they are in a position to win the group against Nigeria. You know, they got a result against Australia somehow. Um, you know, they got a draw against Sweden, which is a very good side. And if they get a win, you know, maybe they get on a roll. You know, Carly Lloyd can get into the game. Um, another thing is Tobin Heath. How is Tobin Heath not starting? I mean, she, she deserves to be starting. She's a creative player. You have Heath. And you have, I mean, I love Christian Press, but you have Heath and Rapino on the wings. And, you know, you, you, that provides you a lot going forward. And I think this is the match where you play Shannon Box at defensive midfielder. They're missing that number six presence. Um, and if she, you know, if she is up to it, if she can play, she should play. Because we don't have a defensive midfielder on this team besides her. I mean, this 4-4-2 is not working. We're supposed to be the best damn team in the world. I mean, it's been 16 years. It's time for us to win another World Cup. So we need to play better, bottom line. And Nigeria is no joke. Nigeria is absolutely no joke. I mean, they, this is their, I believe this is their seventh World Cup. This is seven, their seven-time African Championship, or champions winner, or African champions. They scored 15 goals and conceded three. Um, in their in their qualifying effort, or maybe it was scored eleven and conceded three. I'm a little bit shaky on the numbers there, um, but I mean, yeah, and they have a great player in Asisa Oshaola. She plays for Liverpool in 15 appearances, 
Um, with Nigeria, she has um, 11 goals. You know, they're coming off a disappointing result against Australia 2-0, but they're still in it. They got a draw against Sweden. They're still in it to um, uh, get a third-place berth into the round of 16. So they're going to play tough. It's not, it's not going to be easy. You know, this, the, the U.S. team seems entitled. You know, I, I remember uh, in the semifinals in 2011, Hope Solo was like uh, against France after the France match. Uh, it was a shaky match. She said, I knew we were going to win because we're damn good. Well, let me tell you something, Hope. You're not that good because we've looked awful. So, I mean, they, re they really, they really, Jill Ellis needs to do something, you know, I I don't even I'm just I'm not at a loss for words but I am because I don't know I don't know what this team can do. Like they Julie Foudy has been a huge proponent of playing the 4-3-3 and I agree with her. I mean I agree with her. This this formation is not working. I know we have a lot of attacking talent, but at the end of the day you can't just put six attackers out there and expect them to get things done and expect them to track back. Um so it's just, you know, it's not it's not been great. But Julie Julie Johnston um, has been has been absolutely fantastic in defense. Um, so I mean that's that's the one bright spot. But you know they, like I said, the good news is they're in a position to win um, the group, and they're poised to somehow win a World Cup if they can get going. So it's not going to be easy. You know, um, you know they're playing on turf. Abby Wambach said they would score. They would have definitely scored more goals in this tournament if it was played on grass. Well, I'm sorry, Abby. Everyone is playing on turf. It's really, it's a really shitty situation. It shouldn't be on. It should not be on turf. The tournament should not be on turf. Um, FIFA got it all wrong. It's absolutely ridiculous that they're making them play this, the the biggest competition in women's soccer on on turf. But everyone is playing on turf. I, I mean, you have a right to complain, but I I don't know. I just I think you know we're supposed to be the best team in the world. I know we're ranked second behind Germany, but come on. At this rate, we're not going to beat Germany if we even get that far. We're not going to beat France, although France did lose to Colombia, so I don't know. I don't even know what's going on with them. Um, but we need, we need to play better. Sorry about that rant. Nigeria is a good team. Uh, very good uh, going forward. Uh, we're stifled by Australia's defense. Um, but, you know, they, they have that dramatic tie against uh, Sweden. You know, they can do a lot of damage. It's not not easy. Yeah, so we hope you're all supporting the women's team on Tuesday night versus Nigeria. Now, like I said at the beginning of the show, we talk about American soccer, but we also talk about major soccer around the world. So um, on Saturday, we, we saw a disappointing result for Argentina. Aguero and Messi scored as Argentina drew Paraguay in their group. What do you think about this result? Uh, definitely disappointing, especially since they were up 2-0. Completely dominated Paraguay in the first half, but... Paraguay played well in the second half, and you can't really say the the draw was undeserved. Um, but you know, it's not not a great result for Argentina. You know, it's it's definitely the good news is, just like the women's World Cup, three teams get out of the group. Um, they do have Uruguay in their group, uh, which should be a tough match, but obviously a winnable match for or every match is a winnable match for Argentina. And of course, they have Jamaica, the Concacaf team in the group, which should be a gimme. Um, but, you know, uh, Uruguay only managed to defeat Jamaica 1-0, so it won't be, I mean, there won't be pushovers, but if, if Argentina can get a win against Jamaica, maybe a draw against uh, Uruguay, they're, they're good to go. And, you know, once they get to the knockout stages, they should be fine.
we haven't seen Tevez in the front line in a competitive competition in a long time. Of course, he wasn't called up to the World Cup for locker room issues. I don't really know the details, but um, it was nice to see Aguero, Messi, and Tevez up top, and we expect them to do more going forward in this tournament. Yeah. Um, of course, the U.S. national team's in CONCACAF, so we play co- close attention to CONCACAF. How far do you think Mexico can go in this tournament, and what do you think about the recent results? Well, I mean, before tonight, I didn't think far, far at all. You know, it's a very clear Mexican B team. Um, you know, a lot, a lot of young players. Um, the only one who, only player, or there's two players really, uh, Raul Jimenez from Atletico Madrid, who's not on the Mexican Gold Cup preliminary roster, and the only player on the Gold Cup preliminary roster who's also in the Copa America roster is uh, Jesus Corona of FC Twente in uh, the Netherlands. Um, so, you know, he's, he's one to look out for. But I, I, re- I don't see him going far. Of course, they got a, a great result, a draw against, um, a 3-3 draw against Chile. Um, but, you know, it, I really think it's, you know, they're sitting on two points, third in the group, two points between, behind Bolivia and Chile. Um, I don't see them beating Ecuador, but they could, get, they could snag a, a third-place spot. Um, and if they do happen to get out of the group, uh, good for them, but I really, I think they'd be knocked out in the round of 16. Um, but you know, they they didn't show well in the first match, they showed much better in the second match. Um, their, their prime focus is clearly the Gold Cup this summer. Chicharito, Dos Santos, Carlos Vela are all on that squad. So obviously in this tournament we've got very talented goal scorers such as Messi, Aguero, Neymar. Who do you think will win the Golden Boot for Copa America? Well, uh, yeah, like you said, it's, it's a tough one. Right now, Arturo Vidal and Eduardo Vargas are leading with three and two goals. They've played more matches than other people, though. Um, but I think, you know, Messi is obviously Messi and Aguero wants to look at. Uh, my dark horse pick is uh, Jose Rondon from Venezuela. You know, I think he's, he's a fantastic player. Venezuela managed to go far. I think he could win the Golden Boot. Um, but, yeah, right now I, I would... I would go with Vidal, because he has three goals through two matches. Uh, great, great player. Speaking of goal scorers, we saw plenty from Bobby Wood in the recent friendlies. He has just agreed to join Stuttgart of the Bundesliga, the match to stay up this season. And what do you think he's going to do at Stuttgart, <laughs> if anything? I mean, I have no idea. He has no Bundesliga experience. Um, you know, hopefully he can break into the first team. they got a good young team. I mean, it's not, it's not a comfort thing. I mean, he's been playing in Germany. I think he'll maybe fit well there. Well, yeah, he might. You know, uh, the move, apparently the move was in the works before the two goals, actually. So Stuttgart had been monitoring him. Um, I'm sure Klinsmann had something to do with it. Um, but, yeah, you know, he'll play well. He's playing with another U.S. Um, youth national teamer, Jerome Kesevetter, uh, who plays on the right wing, who's with the U23s. Um, he's playing with uh, Rudiger, who actually beat uh, for the game-winning goal against Germany. Um, but yeah, you know, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, I, I really hope he doesn't sit on the bench. He, he does have promise. Um, uh, it could be a good move for him. We've also been hearing rumors about Zach Steffen after his fabulous performance against Serbia in the quarterfinals of the U20 World Cup, linked to other clubs. I'm not going to get too detailed about what clubs he's linked with. More about, do you think he should get transferred? Is he ready for a big move? And Will he provide if he does go somewhere big? Well, I mean, he had a fantastic tournament overall. Um, I think Roma and Inter Milan were looking into him. Um, but, you know, I think right now maybe the best thing for his development is to stay with Freiburg, uh, who are currently playing in the Bundesliga 2. Uh, they just sold their starting goalkeeper, Freiburg did. 
So it might be um, it might be good for him to stay there. Roma, of course, need a goalkeeper. Morgan DeSantis is getting up there in age. You know that. Yeah. Um, so maybe in a couple of years down the road, he, he makes a big money move to uh, an upper echelon club. But, I mean, Roma and Inter Milan, it's n- nothing to scoff at. Those are great clubs. Um, so he has the ability to be uh, the heir to Guzan slash Howard. Um, so it's, uh, I'm excited to monitor his future. We'll see where, see where he goes. Yeah, um, I'm a Roma fan. And financially, we have this recurring theme of looking and tracking at Americans. Of course, we had Michael Bradley. We were looking at DeAndre Yedlin over the summer. Roma is a club that wants to grow financially, and they think that it's a great idea with America, a club that's rising with soccer fans. They buy players, so, you know, they have people to cheer for from America. So it's a big possibility. I know Zach Steffen's pretty unproven, but I think it could happen. Okay. Another big transfer that occurred is... Memphis Depay agreeing to join Manchester United. Of course, he's a PSV player in the Netherlands. What do you think he'll contribute to Manchester United? A lot of pace and a lot of creative ability down that left wing. Uh, I just hope Louis Van Gaal doesn't play him at left wing back. Um, but, you know, I, they really need a defender, man. I mean, he's a, he's a good player. I think he'll do well in the Premier League. But they need a defender. They need a, another defensive midfielder, someone who can replace Carrick. They really don't need another flashy player, but, you know, I think he'll do well in the Premier League. I think he's he's a great player. He has experience with Van Hal, who is, of course, the Netherlands coach, and Depay broke out at the uh, World Cup last summer when Van Hal, or God, I don't even know how to say it, was the coach, so or the manager. So I think he'll do well. I think it'll be a good transition for uh, Memphis. Yeah. Another big transfer that was recently agreed to was Sammy Kadira joining Italian giants Juventus after coming from Real Madrid in Spain. It's already a stacked midfield. What do you think Kadir will bring? Oh, man, I, you know I love Kadir. I mean, I he's, one, he's one of my favorite players. Uh, he didn't have a great season, but I think he's going to... This team with Kadira is better than this team with Pirlo. Definitely. Um, you know, Pirlo's a great player and all, but Kadira will be able to track down um, an attacking player, get the ball off him, and get the attack started. He's a... Great two-way player, more of a defensive-minded player, of course. Uh, but Pirlo, I mean, he can't pick out a pass like Pirlo can. Um, but Pirlo's not on the team anymore. Kadir will slot right into that spot. Um, and I think, I mean, I think he'll just help the team a lot. He'll win another Scudetto, unfortunately for you and your other Rome, <laughs> your Romanistas. I wouldn't uh, say that quite yet. But well, I think... That's for another episode. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> but you, you know, <laughs> I mean, he'll, he'll help the midfield... It's going to be great for them. they got Pereira, Pogba, Vidal, Marquisio. Um, so, yeah, you know, great, great, great midfield. Great club. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, shut up. <laughs> um, um, Petr Cech, Chelsea goalkeeper, is linked closely with Arsenal. He's been linked there. Um, Chesney was disappointing towards the beginning of the year. They had to switch between, uh, for Ospina towards the end of the year. Their goalkeeper situation has always been a little bit iffy. If Cech does indeed come and starts for Arsenal, do you think he'll push them towards the title of the Premier League? I, I think he'll definitely help. They still need a number six in there. You know, Copeland did a great job um, this year, but they need a better player. They also need a striker. I mean, Olivier Giroud, bless his heart, is a great player. I mean, he's a good player, but he's, you know, they need, they need a real number nine who can create. Yeah. Um, Alexis Sanchez is fantastic. They got a good midfield with Ozil, Cazorla, but they need a six. 
Um, so, you know, Czech will help. Uh, they could, you know, they could compete with Chelsea um, or Man United. Um, but yeah, if that happens, it'll be a great, great, great pickup for them. So getting more personal, you, Nihal, as a U.S. fan, who do you hope is going to get transferred? I know Aaron Johansson doesn't play at the biggest club. I mean, I believe that he could play for a big club. I mean, a bigger club. Yeah, so. you love Johansson. Before we get to that, De La Feo coming back to Everton. Kudolski okay. might be coming to Everton. Two good moves for them. Okay, back to the U.S. Um, yeah, man, I mean, Bobby Woods, Bobby Woods, obviously a, uh, someone who's moving. You know, I'm interested to see if Dylan Powers ends up moving to uh, Serie A. There's been a lot of rumors about that. Um, Harry Ship has been watched. Maybe Matt Miazga. He's been linked to uh, Stuttgart as well as, um, to join Bollywood and kiss a veteran. Um, yeah, I mean, those are, those are the big ones. Uh, maybe loan deals for uh, Zalalem, Green, and Yedlin. Um, if Yedlin stays at Tottenham um, throughout the season. Uh, but yeah, you know, it, it should be an exciting summer. Not I, There's not going to be any blockbuster deals, I don't think. What about, um, what, about uh, what about Michael Bradley? I mean, Toronto's <laughs> not doing the best in MLS, and... Certainly not what they hoped after all these big transfers. Yeah, so. well, I, I think Michael Bradley's doing just fine, as evidenced by his play. So, you know, maybe going to Europe is not the best thing for him. He's the captain, or he's one of the leaders of, um, I think, Caldwell, Caldwell's the captain, I think. But he's one of the leaders on Toronto. Um, you know, he runs that team uh, along with Jovinko. Um, so I, I think it would be good for him to stay. It's obviously good for MLS to stay, not only because he's a marketable American player in his prime, but also because I think if Bradley leaves, Jovinko leaves. So, um, and maybe Josie leaves. So I think it's really good. I think it's good for Bradley to say, obviously not affecting his play. He had a foot injury during the World Cup, folks. He's a great player. I, I mean, I don't think he needs to move to Europe. Although I would love to see him in, in Everton midfield instead of Gareth Bale. Yeah. <laughs> of course, Everton didn't have a season that exceeded expectations. Um, it was okay. tough for them. <laughs> It was tough for all of us. Well, at least we met expectations. Okay. Um, <laughs> we're going to wrap up the episode right here. Uh, before we finish, uh, we both have Twitters. My brother is at Big Time Brownie. I'm at ASR underscore Sahil. Yeah, um, another thing is I'm also a U.S. national team writer for BetweenTheTouchlines.com. It's a very cool new website. It's a startup. We, started, we launched in about February. So I do articles about the U.S. national teams. Uh, the men's national teams. Um, so go check it out. I do player ratings. I do some previews and um, analyze uh, the call-ups. Um, and I should have some articles as uh, the Gold Cup comes around. So uh, please go check that site out. I really appreciate it. Uh, thanks for watching. Any feedback is appreciated on SoundCloud. You can comment at a specific time when you're listening. So we'd appreciate that. Of course, it's our first podcast, so we'll listen to anything you say. Um, signing out, New York Stars, Avatar. We'll see you later.